Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network, or you may be listening to us on patreon.com slash struggle session, or sesh.plus, or strugglesession.substack.com. Thank you so much for your uh, likes and subscribes, but I am your host, Leslie Lee Third. I'm joined as always by Jack Allison. Jack, how's it going? Good, Leslie. I'm glad to be here. We really have decentralized the show. That's a lot of URLs there. I mean, this is a, this show's a cryptocurrency now. Yeah, you can find it uh, anywhere. You know, we got you, you got to get diversified out there. You can't put all your chips into you know one exchange, as we've learned recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jack, I actually this is something I wanted to talk to you about. Tell me about this F- FTX thing. I know you probably know a little bit more than I. Do. I, I only know a tiny little bit. You know, I I, I don't follow. I didn't follow. FTX that closely, but my understanding is it's another one of these crypto exchanges like Mt. Gox um, that just lost all the money. So everyone was trying to take out their money, um, and they found out that they didn't have the money, and they couldn't get their money out. I guess this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, who I get like... I think was literally born on campus at Stanford. Like his, uh, <laughs> his parents, let me find this actually. Yeah. He, his parents are both professors at Stanford Law School. And he is, yes, uh, is going to, he was born on the campus of Stanford. He's going to need some legal help. So maybe some of his parents, cool, students Jack, can help him out. It is the Harvard of the West. You do realize that's, that. That's what I understand. Yeah. But, um, some of the funny things about this guy is that he, Pitch Sequoia Capital. Now, Sequoia Capital is just one of these big venture capital firms out here. They put a lot of money into Funny or Die um, and tons of stuff. They just they spend money. They hollow out companies, um, and this is what they do. Um, I guess there's a piece that used to be on their website. This was on Sequoia's website. They were like publishing this um this guy told sequoia about his super app which was he wanted fpx ftx to be a place where he could buy anything you could buy stuff you could buy bitcoin or you can buy a banana and i guess the people on the sequoia side on the zoom call were typing and freaking out like i love this partner i'm a 10 out of 10 yes they were all typing and apparently this guy fbf was playing league of legends through the entire meeting he was (laughs) Like yeah, he was doing uh, uh, venture capital fundraising the way that I have in the past sometimes done podcasts uh, and was <laughs> playing league uh, while he was doing it. Um, but yeah, I guess people uh, just can't get their money out of it. Um, there was a run at like five billion dollars or something, and they didn't have anywhere near that amount of money. And so this is another 
situation where everyone had all their money in a website and it turned out that website was investing with their money and they're not going to get it back. CNN business article about the situation says in less than a week, a 30 year old entrepreneur once held as a modern day JP Morgan watched his digital empire, including billions of his own fortune evaporate in a death spiral that's shaken the foundations of the trillion dollar crypto industry. He's also been posting through it, which is kind of fun. He's like just doing big long. Yeah. He's been doing big long Twitter threads, you know, where he'll like say everything that happens. And then in all caps, he's like, this is not advice, um, not advice <laughs> of any kind in any way. I was not careful with my words. Uh, I do not mean them in a technical or legal sense. I may have, have not described things right. I'm trying to be transparent. Like he's like a Reddit guy. He's being like, I was shit at this. And I'm sorry, everybody. It's so wild because it's like he had to know at a certain point that that he needed to get out right like way before this like i think he probably just found out on sunday i think that these things happen yeah i think he's like because yeah i think he's like he was like he might just be that stupid yeah i think he's that dumb is that like he's like okay we're doing it right and we're no one's ever going to take out five billion in a day and then that day came you know what I mean? This is how Ponzi schemes work. Well, actually, I should take that, that back. Well, what am I talking about? This is this is just the 2008 crash, just all over again. But most of those guys got away, uh, got away scot free. So he probably expects the same thing to happen to him. I wonder what'll happen. I, I think he's about to get uh, sued pretty bad. But you know, but also you know, people like this don't really get punished. So we'll see what happens. All right, moving on to some. More uh, high stakes uh, crashes of websites. Old Elon and mm-hmm. his uh, what is it? Is it like still the first week? I think this running? is. I think we are under a week uh, from Elon buying or taking over Twitter. And uh, yeah, I, I really thought when it first happened, like that, very little was really gonna go on, and he would just own the website. He is. Some he is actually destroying the website so fast, and honestly, like I am fucking stoked for it. I like I said in the last episode, like if Elon actually destroys Twitter, he will have done a service for humanity. You called it. You called more, it more more than the electric cars, more than going to space. If he ruins this website, he will have done a service. This website might be done and over by the time we finish recording this episode. Is what it feels like right now. Like you just have to keep refreshing because besides, you know, firing, you know, a mass majority of the staff, they're also he's also trying to make all the money and profit for the website basically by using the something awful forums model mm-hmm. where you pay eight dollars to get a verified check until you run a file of the mods and they ban you. And then they expect to get another $8. You pay the eight bucks again. I don't think it's a very good business strategy. A lot of people have been pointing out, you know, like, you know, advertisers aren't going to like this. What the fuck do I care? I don't give a shit if Twitter doesn't make money. In fact, I hope it doesn't make money. This, I will say, I have to give Elon credit here. This is the funniest the website has maybe ever been. To be honest yes. with you, like there are times, you know, with Trump when it was pretty funny, but th- this week might be the funniest it's ever been. And I think the funniest it'll ever be is the day you tr- load it up and it won't load. That is going to be the funniest moment that Twitter ever had. And I think it may be coming soon. <laughs> 
very soon. Now, I want to be clear. I do not think most of the parody accounts are funny. Like, I feel like that's very low-hanging fruit for most yeah, of I, it. Also, by the way, you know, I don't need to get into this, but, like, all before they started selling the check marks and all the, like, existing check marks who were, like, impersonating Elon Musk, I was like, this is the so corny yes. it really was so was fucking really corny. corny i yeah. it was really corny uh even cornier though like blue check marks are kind of on one about the fact that you can just buy it now and they're trying to actually set up like some kind of old money new money like hierarchy where they're talking shit about the people who bought the check mark while they allegedly earned it by having a job that bought them a check <laughs> yeah i mean listen it just is funny it just is funny yeah. i don't really care about all the you know imitation accounts but i do think that elon's posts are funny and everybody getting so fucking mad it's the maddest like everyone's been <laughs> in, in the forever i also think you know and i'm i'm back everyone was like i'm gonna leave twitter with elon if elon musk you know comes and i came back you know, I came back <laughs> when Elon took over. Um, but I think it's good for the soul of the media class to all be mad at one weird rich guy again, as opposed to like everybody getting like mad at whatever weird person of the day, like Bean Dad or whatever. Like it's healthy <laughs> and they haven't had this since Trump, where everyone is laser focused on every single post that this rich guy does and quote tweeting him. It's it's good for the media class to have this again. <laughs> I, speaking of Elon, I wanted to read this quote from a uh, all Twitter's all hands meeting uh, today. In fact, mm -hmm. um, and this is a quote from Elon because he's he's he is posting through it. He's literally talking about the fact that he bought this company that is actually worthless. And you talked and you mentioned this on the show. Like the problem was like when he offered to buy it half as a joke, he got in and he saw that oh shit, they actually are. This website is a bunch of bots. There is no way to make money off of this. And he tried to get out of it. And the and they said, no, no, no. The former uh, owner said, no, you have to uh, go go ahead and go through with it. So I feel like a lot of them should be taking a, a lot more heat for whatever is going on now because they took the money and uh, ran with it. But I digress. So this is a quote from Elon's uh, All Hands meeting today. I love to see ads for gizmos. And if I saw ads for gizmos, I love gizmos, of course. I buy them all. Click, click, click. And even mm -hmm. if they're not that great, I still buy gizmos. I love technology. I'll see content for gizmos, but not an ad or an ability to actually buy the gizmo. So I'll have to send it to my assistant like, please buy this gizmo. That's how it goes generally. But I would be happy to just be able to click on it and buy it. Mm -hmm. Th this website is going to be done by like the end. By, I mean, I'll be generous and say like by the end of the year. Um, and I fucking can't wait for it. No one's going to go to Mastodon. It's just over. Like if you're not moving to like TikTok, then maybe you'll have a fuller life and be done with social media. Like that's yeah. really what I'm hoping is that like this website's done. We can all this is actually like in the 80s when quaaludes stopped being available <laughs> you know and it's like everybody was popping quaaludes all the time and then one day they were just like quaaludes are no more and everybody just had to stop doing quaaludes you know this is like everyone can just together be done with this addiction and move on with their lives like we just won't have a choice quaaludes very popular with the celebrities of the time matthew perry has been on a book tour 
uh, former Friends star Chandler Bing. Uh, he has been on a book. And I've been listening to it a little bit, Jack, actually. Now, Perry took a lot of heat because in his book, he drops a couple of jokes about wishing Keanu Reeves was dead. Yeah, I which saw I, that. Which I think is unfair to him because when he wrote those jokes, everybody hated Keanu Reeves, probably. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that to me, whether or not he wrote it at that time, that just to me tells me like that that Matthew Perry is stuck in a certain time and people forgot that, that Keanu Reeves did used to be a joke, you know, yes. and like maybe Matthew Perry isn't keeping up with all the like, Oh, Keanu Reeves is like dad Bay or whatever the fuck yeah. goes on. <laughs> uh, John Wick he, now. Yeah. yeah. He just is like, he was not aware and thought that it was like, you know, it's like picking, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't think of the right, I can't even think of a, of a comparable person at this point, you know? Uh, uh, but yes, he's not, he was not always the man he was today. It's kind of interesting looking back at that time at the nineties and celebrity. But what I really kind of want to talk about is this quote from, uh, his, Perry's good friend. Uh, that's not a pun. They're actually our friends in real life, Jennifer Aniston. And she had a quote in Allure magazine where she talks about, you know, the lack of fame now and she has this very funny comment about having herself to get on social media during the pandemic and she she says this no one's ever going to be the famous uh the way uh aniston was uh that kind of mass fame phenomenon is burning so bright for so long it's just not achievable today she's like a silent film star among a generation of tip-top dipshits <laughs> Whoa, oh, that just gave me shields. Aniston responded. That was the interviewer uh talking to her. Um uh, but I'm and she and Aniston says, I'm a little choked up. I feel like it's dying. There are no more movie stars. There's no more glamour. Even the Oscar parties used to be so fun. I hate social media media, Aniston said. I'm not good at it. It's torture for me. The reason I went on Instagram was to launch this line. Then the pandemic hit and we didn't launch. So I was just stuck with being on Instagram. It doesn't come naturally. Hey, good for her. After my own heart, I kind of agree. You know, uh, we, we, we're all stuck on this. And the more that they can just die, the better it'll be for all of us. I think it's very funny that even though she is like incredibly wealthy, she felt the need. And so many of these celebrities felt that need, still feel this need to launch these lines and these brands like the fucking housewives do. Of real, I, of, I also um, think it's weird, you know, even that Jennifer Aniston is launching a line and she's like, well, I'll just myself go do the yes. posting about it. I'm like, what? Like, you know, did you used to run like do all the ads and shit like, before? <laughs> like, what, were you the one like taking the photos? Like, why get someone to do this and like just go sit by the pool all day? Like, what goes on there is something though it's like the celebrity thing is like exactly what social media tweaks you know the notifications page is basically like a digital version of like you know getting attention and that is really what's at the core of the addiction for all of the the celebrities yes and sadly like it's nothing but uh they don't really get any of the benefits anymore like it's so it's actually kind of depressing to see all the stars you know slowly fade out and get 
you know, relegated to like Netflix series that get canceled after one season. Yeah. You know, celebrity is over. The celebrities now are people you or I have never heard of and never will who are like on TikTok, you know, explaining things or something like that. I don't even want to ever hear them. Let me I'm old now and I'm ready to be old and out of touch. A couple of celebrities that we do know that are of the modern generation, Jake and Logan Paul. Jake and uh-huh. Logan Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've had a big past few weeks. Uh, oh, Jesus, I don't even, I don't know which is which. I have to look up which is which. Which was the boxer, which was the wrestler. They're not both a boxer? Oh, they're one's a wrestler? Okay. Okay, all right. So it's Jake Paul that's the boxer. And he defeated, air quotes, Anderson Silva in a boxing match a couple of weeks uh, back but then immediately, almost immediately turns around, hops on a plane to Saudi Arabia to support his brother, Logan Paul, in the WWE as they did their uh, latest show called Crown Jewel there. Yes, in Saudi Arabia, KSA. <laughs> um, the press conference for this, Jack, was wild. Yes, there were MBS chants as Paul Triple H Levesque uh, head of creative at WB and his wife, uh, Stephanie McMahon, co-CEO wow. of WB, handed a replica title belt uh, to one of the officials uh, hosting wow. uh, WB in Riyadh. And WB, this show, people were worried that the show might not happen because there were reports that there may be like an attack on Saudi Arabia. Uh, that that week, they were on a high alert from a, an attack uh, allegedly from I think Iran uh, was the case, and so there was worried that maybe they wouldn't even send the wrestlers over. But of course, WWE they get paid fifty million dollars every time they do one of these, fifty million dollars, and so they went and took that money. Leslie, if KSA offered us fifty million to do a live struggle session show. <laughs> Would you turn it down? If I already had a billion dollars, I probably would. I probably would. I think I can say that. I think I can say <laughs> if I already had the biggest wrestling company in the world, I would find a way to turn it. Uh, All turn right, that fair down. enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's they have they, context. Yeah, they have two, a billion dollar deal with Fox and the billion dollar deal with uh, NBC Universal. They're not hurting for money whatsoever. They don't really pay. They pay the wrestlers a very small percentage of their income. But this is just it's just free money for them. They can just do yeah. put on any kind, do anything they want, and just make a make bank. It doesn't matter what they do in America. It doesn't matter if the show, what the shows are like, they put, they, the KSA shows are how they really make their money and the TV deals. Wild. Well, there he is over in uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, one of the Paul brothers, both of them went over there, which was strange to me because every so often one of them will try to get like political, right? They'll try to say, you know, this isn't right. They actually talked about the fighter pay in UFC which is, you know, awful, but comparably awful to WWE. So there's no real uh, consistently consistency, sadly, with the Paul brothers. I know we expect a lot of them you I know, know. as ethical I know. leaders. Sad. As political voices of our time. <laughs> but he had this match and, uh, and he apparently like blew out his knee completely on this. This is his third match ever 
you know, he's main eventing this big, you know, pay-per-view show against the WWE champion with no real experience in the wrestling industry. It's just him bringing his name there, and he doesn't really know what he's doing, even though he is quite athletic and he can do you know, several impressive moves. He doesn't really know how to wrestle a match and he does shit that he can't really do without hurting himself, sadly. But uh get well soon to uh shit, which Logan Paul. Um, but I don't know if you're gonna stand up for workers' rights in other companies, maybe do it for WWE. Uh yeah, maybe do it for WWE and maybe maybe stand up for other rights as well and don't yes. go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so moving on, a little bit more entertainment news that I, Jack, have to say I was totally stoked for. Sick New World, Saturday, May 13th, 2023, Las Vegas Festival Grounds, System of a Down, Corn, Deftones, Incubus, Mr. Bungle. All right, Placebo. Random, but I'll take Placebo. But, uh, Placebo does not quite fit with these bands, which lean heavily to the metal new male side. But also another, but you also have Ministry there, and She Wants Revenge, and Skinny Puppy, Cold Chamber, Killing Joke. This is a wild uh, lineup. They even have Orgy there folks this is what growing up is like they're putting together this they're putting together like you know super shows uh of the stuff that was coming out when i was in high school like this is what it means to be uh an adult yes i dig it though i want to go i'm sure tickets are going to be about 300 dollars. all the bands i want to see are going to be playing at the exact same time but man, you can't beat this lineup. It's quite the if, lineup. It's quite the lineup. If nothing else, I'm just excited because all these bands are probably going to do some ancillary tour or touring at some point because of this. Maybe this will rig. Oh, the Birthday Massacre. Have not heard that name. I thought they broke but, up. I like this. I like this. Stabbing Westward. Oh my God. Stabbing Westward. So tiny. Bakuna Coil. Cradle of Filth. Monster. Jack, this is amazing. We might have to go to this. Maybe I'll make it out to maybe maybe I'll make it out to Vegas uh, uh, for for the for Kitty, sick new oh world. Oh my god! I have seen Kitty so many times, but I would love to see them again. Oh my god! We might have to do it. We might have to do it. Stay tuned, everyone. We might be in <laughs> Vegas in May. KMFDM, holy shit, wild stuff! I don't even know how. You, now I am getting super excited for it, but I have not checked. And this is another thing we have to remember from the nineties. Will this show actually happen? Will this show actually happen? Will all all, all these bands is everyone going to drop book, out? All these bands actually booked. Let me go ahead to the website. Sign up for pre-sale. All right. So for right now, it just looks like Sick New World is copyright uh, Six New World, and that's kind of it. <laughs> There's nothing else on the website. I mean, so far, it's an image, you know, it's an image yes. that they released and put on Twitter. But hey, you know, uh, we, we'll take what we can get for now. I, I may have it may it may be too soon to get excited, maybe too soon to get excited for this one. It might just be a sick joke, but oh, well, I'm still uh, I'm uh, stoked. Uh, I'm hoping I'm hopeful for it. Maybe it's real. I, you know, I, I think if we haven't heard from these bands that it's not, then, you know, then we can assume that it is real. 
Oh, until well, we have to wait till the plane tickets are supposed to come in, Jack. There's always mm. that window where you can you can hustle anybody. You can hustle the biggest artist in the world. But then when it's time for the accommodations to be set, that's when the posts start. Coming. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, Jack, the fans keep asking me. Mm-hmm. Tales of the Jedi, Andor. Are we going to talk about these things? Are we going to watch these things? Are we going to cover these things, Jack? No. <laughs> Star Wars was movies, you know, and yes. I'll, I'll maybe continue to see the movies, but there's too much of this fucking shit now. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. even trying to like some of the Dave Filoni stuff, but I'm not going to watch like 40 hours of Star Wars every year. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, but like we Unless went you're from the original tr- trilogy and prequels. Isn't it? Those are only going to get you to 12 hours if you yeah. watch the real movies. And maybe I will do 12 hours, but I'm not going to be doing it, it. It is too much expectation to be watching this much Star Wars. And I know people really are loving Andor oh my so gosh. much. People I are don't even losing know. their I, shit I, over Andor. I, I don't want to like I, 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 I haven't seen it. So I, I can't really speak to it, you know, but the, the way people are talking about it, about it being this like really serious meditation on fascism and all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, does it have to be Star Wars? I don't even want to go on record because maybe it is good. I haven't watched it. I probably am not going to watch it. I, I am tempted here and there. But I also just am completely disinterested whenever I see any of the material from it. Um, I certainly have no interest in the Acolyte. And I, I don't know. I I generally am not that into that that Star Wars is a bunch of fucking web series now. And I, I don't <laughs> feel the need to catch up with like four concurrently running web series at a time. Yeah, the thrill is gone, baby. I like. I have no desire to watch it. I, I say I'm not falling for the Andor psyop. I'm just not. I don't believe it. I don't believe these people that the show is that good. Okay, I'm I'm sticking with my interview with the vampire. That show actually legitimately great. But I don't know. I just cannot buy that the Dis- that this Disney Plus show is as great. And everyone, even when they say it's great, they de- still do say, well, the first three episodes suck. But oh once you get past that, I'm like, okay, okay then what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I, I don't even need to get into it. Like, basically, you know, why watch stuff that makes you annoyed? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't like Disney Star Wars. And so I think it's great personal growth to choose not to watch Disney Star Wars anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and there might be people that listen to this and are like annoyed that we're even talking about it in a negative way, having not like seen the show or something. In which case, I'm just like, go fucking enjoy Andor. Have a good time. I don't, I'm, I'm just, it's too much at this point. I can't be watching every Star Wars. It's like they, they've, devalued Star Wars so much by putting out so much stuff. You can't even keep track of what's good or what's bad or what is Star Wars anymore. Yeah, I, I really I really did want to talk about the fact because another thing people who do watch the show are saying is that no one's really talking about it and not that many people are watching it. And that's quite obviously why is because this is the show with the least 
curb appeal, whatever quality of it is, I'm sure it's the best show by far. It's not that hard. It would not be that hard to be the best show. Uh, you, you could pick a random Power Rangers series and it would be the best of the Disney Star Wars shows, <laughs> but they have put out, uh, four or five seasons of garbage already why would people tune into the one with the least star power or character power like you know and or nobody knows who or what and or is it might be a great show but at this point you have kind of burned people out on star wars as a brand so it's like too little too late like why why not make the first show you put out really good why wait until the fifth show you put out don't uh, put this out by the way after don't put this out after obi-wan where like i watched obi-wan i was fooled but and i was like shit i guess i'll watch the ewan mcgregor obi-wan show and felt like a goddamn fucking idiot i felt so <laughs> foolish for watching that <laughs> shitty show like again like i don't know maybe if you got andor out earlier i could i might have been still in the mood to watch it but i am not fooled into watching fucking disney plus you know web series star wars anymore and i i don't feel the need to do it i only am gonna watch house of the dragon i think that i'm like back to classic mode of that i just watch house of the dragon i'll revisit it when it comes back out in 2023 <laughs> and watch it week to week i am i i i, I like one HBO show, which is kind of how people used to be. People used to be like, I like my one HBO show, yes. and that's what I watch. Not like, I don't know how people watch so much fucking television now. All the time, everyone's talking about like the, the Dahmer show, this show, that show. I'm like, where does everyone have the time yeah. to be watching like 30 hours of television monthly? More, like like 80 hours of television monthly. It's like a full-time job. I, uh, so what did you think about the finale of House of the Dragon? Um, I like the finale of House of the Dragon, I and I, I like the series overall. I think the biggest misstep, and I wasn't as fired up as some people were, uh, was the thing with uh, Rhaenys, you know, coming out with the dragon in that second-to-last episode. Like, her leaving, you know, King's Landing was pretty goofy and didn't feel, you know, quite in tune with what happened in the book. But overall, I really like the series. You know, I like that it has... it. It's a big uh, uh, succession-type drama. It feels, you know, huge, but then also there is, like, a real strong sort of emotional core to it, and uh, I'm into it. I'm into the show. I thought it was okay. I wish there was just more Damon. Just more Damon. They started his push Damon you know, early on those first few episodes, and then they just cooled him off, and he was nowhere. But what about Damon? He, he wasn't on my TV. He wasn't on my TV. <sighs> And I know people are a little bit mad uh, at the last, like the base, basically the last scene where the one of the kids kills one of the other kids. In the book, I'm I'm told that it was made more of a deliberate act of murder as opposed to in the show where it was more now, accidental. But with that said, the book is a popular history book, and it's very much in. The it is written in a way that like all of the, these events are kind of subjective. Like it actually doesn't really yeah, bother so me that much that the show gets to make some of these decisions because the book is told from three perspectives and it kind of is like, it might've happened this way. It might've happened this way. Those are the firsthand accounts that we have to work with. So I think the show actually, it kind of works with some of these changes that you wouldn't have known if you were writing a history book about the events. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a great point. But that also kind of points to the, I don't know, the flaw of TV or even film as a 
like a storytelling medium that you cannot that's very difficult or time consuming to have that sort of multiple perspectives or yeah that sort of ambiguity in it like it, it we it's on the screen we know exactly what happened i guess uh, that i guess that's what i kind of like about this show is then what i think is interesting about it compared to game of thrones is that this is a like game of thrones was very much they have to adapt these moments like directly and they're like fully written out scenes where very specific things happen this show even if you've read the book you can kind of still be surprised by the choices that the showrunners make and they're still kind of allowed to make choices you know that don't necessarily contradict what happened in the book there are some things that like outright contradict what happened in the book and you know i'm i'm bothered at various levels about those but overall i think that it's it's an interesting you know book to adapt for hbo and it kind of is fun to have it's more fun to have read the books uh and see it play out on tv than maybe game of thrones was where you were just kind of being like this is not as good as the books so jack have you been keeping up with AEW at all I really haven't been, you know, I've, I've, uh, a little more busy and I, I don't have the, the five or six hours a week to keep up. Well, Jack, sad to say you have not been missing that much. It's, oh. it's cooled off kind of significantly since Punk and the Bucks and Omega have not been on the TV. The booking, not quite as solid as it used to be. We're supposed to, but your guy is heading into the main event, MJF versus John Moxley at uh full oh, that's gear for the AEW title but MJF is at, was actually not uh at Dynamite the past 2 weeks cuz he's apparently filming the uh movie about Moxley and MJF is a very weird matchup as as two very very different st- types of wrestlers yeah so it's MJF in the Iron Claw storing Zac Efron uh of course about the Von Eric family Lots of stuff going to be left out of that movie. That's all I'll say for now. <laughs> lots okay. of, lots of, lots of, lots of things. They're not, they're going to have to kind of dance around, uh, the actual history in that movie, which is not unusual, uh, for professional wrestling at all. But there actually is this one documentary coming out that's not dancing around shit at all. And I kind of wanted to watch this trailer with you, Jack, to kind of get sure. your impressions of it. Cause this, one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my fucking life. And I cannot believe that this is coming out just on, on Peacock, on the Peacock network <laughs> of all things. So this is a dangerous breed, uh, a documentary about a famed Canadian wrestler, Teddy Hart of the Hart uh, family of the fame family. He's kind of been the black sheep of the of family, which has a lot of dark elements to it as well, but he's probably uh, the darkest one. He's a pro wrestler, and his side hustle is reading okay. Persian Cats. Yeah. I thought this was going to be the next big hit reality show. I wear this as deodorant sometimes, I hate to say it. I had no idea that I was going to wind up at the center oh. of a missing persons case. Third generation art. It's time to meet the devil. I have the power to easily snap my fingers and have oh. people killed. He was polyamorous. He's done a lot of things to us. He's not a good man. He's one of the worst men on the planet. I don't deserve this anymore. This is Samantha Fiddler. Samantha's been missing for five years now. I haven't heard her voice in years. <laughs> Where were you that time? I didn't do it. It's fine. Can we turn off the cameras? To be honest, I really don't give a f- about Sam Fiddler. Wow, what in the fuck goes on? That's crazy. 
insane. I actually know one of the women in in that Machiko. Uh, she was a yeah. She was she uh, was in a relationship with him, and I'm happy she gets to tell her story now. But yeah, man, what while shit strangely enough produced by the WWE. In fact, as part of their deal with Peacock. Very, very weird stuff, but I happen to know for a fact that uh, NBC actually killed a documentary uh, that WWE was producing um, because some of the stories that they were interviewing all these like small time wrestlers, right? Um, who didn't really, really make it big, but made, you know, made a lot of shows. They're like job guys, you know, you know, the old guy who would just wear, he would just go up there, get beat up uh, by the actual stars and work with WWE. And there was one story that they found, one guy's story, and he's a famous wrestler, and everybody knows him. He's probably one of the most famous jobbers there is, but his story got so dark that NBC canned the entire project. They were supposed to interview three guys. They, they had filmed it. They had paid everybody. All of it was done. But then the NBC producer who was super excited for it actually watched the footage and was like, we can't release any of this at all. So more of that to come. In fact, there's a Vince McMahon documentary coming to Vice in a couple of weeks. I mean, maybe we need to watch that and uh, do an episode on that as well. But lots of dark shit in the wrestling world coming out. Wow. Wild. Who knew? Crazy. That seems like a wild documentary. Definitely will check yeah. it out. Before we go, we got to talk a little bit about the election. It just is like, yes, it was kind of surprising, you know, that that uh, the Democrats did as well as they did, especially since Biden is so just nothing. But I guess it does speak to that. Maybe people are just bored with like Republicans being so fucking annoying. You know what I mean? I feel like that's more than anything. It's just like, oh my God, like you're so annoying and like, like just loud all the time. And I guess all I think about it is, you know, a lot of people were very happy about it. Democracy is no longer on the line. Uh, and I guess we're going to see the Biden administration accomplish a lot of stuff now in these next two years, huh? Yeah. We're still going to well, see them pass out the whole agenda, right? Well, what the hell is going on? In L.A., Jack, I voted for fucking Karen Bass. Don't get mad at me or anything like that. But whenever I hear anything about Karen Bass and Rick Caruso, like you hear radio stuff about like what their policies are going to be. And they're always like the same is the big issue is that like they're like, OK, what are they going to do for the homeless? And it's like, well, Rick Caruso's plan is to try to get federal money to get more um, to build more beds. And people are saying that you can't even get federal money for that. And Karen Bass's plan uh, is to get federal money to build more beds. And people are saying that you can't even get federal money for that. Um, Caruso is a horrible billionaire guy. He built the Grove and the Americana, which are these ridiculous open air malls uh, where people can live and stuff too. He's very anti-homeless, and I think that's what, you know, is really at the core of this, uh, is that rich people really want someone to deal with the homeless problem, you know, as expediently and genocidally as possible. Um, but as I watch the race unfold, you know, I would have liked to see more bold policy from Karen Bass, because like I said, whenever they compare their campaigns... It always seems like their plans are almost identical. And then the entire campaign becomes about like, well, Rick Caruso used to be a Republican. And then he's like, no, I'm not. And then they're like, well, Rick Caruso is anti-choice. And he's like, no, I'm not. And it's like, these are true things about his past. 
But when it comes down to the actual like policy of what's going to happen, I think there are differences. And I've talked to people who even like work in the city who are like, it's going to be bad for us as city planners if Rick Caruso gets elected. But I never saw the campaign talk about that. You know, I only ever saw like going to his personality and saying he was a Republican and shit. And I think it's pretty bad. You know, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but that it's even this close is pretty fucking wild. Um, I think it speaks to that Karen Bass run, ran a pretty bad campaign. Jack, you mentioned the Grove and I clearly I, something's wrong with my search, but this what I'm, I, I put it. I put the Grove Los Angeles in and what pulled up was looked like a cheesecake factory with like like some sort of biomechanical like growth growing out of it it's and a cancerous that- cheesecake factory is what it is yeah it's it's so it's this very disneylandy little outdoor malls that they have you know that have like a trolley they're very like disneyland um during the winter they'll have fake snow they have santa claus there and all this shit uh but they're these little sort of fake you know town square promenades that are totally artificial uh that are just you know for mall like you know an apple store and a fucking nike store and the the movie theater and stuff like that um and yeah this is rick caruso's big grand contribution is the grove and the americana which is the other you know even crazier one uh where Bugmain lives um and uh yeah like uh Lived, lived before he passed yeah before he passed of course um uh yeah and so yeah that's that's what for caruso is responsible for it's harder for me to get fired up about this race because we had a bad mayor last year where we have a bad mayor this year and we're gonna have a bad mayor next year you know uh despite all the electioneering and people trying to get the vote out for karen bass it's all good everyone should have voted for karen bass but we are not going to have a good mayor in the foreseeable future could be worse we could have a worse mayor than than the other one but neither is going to be that uh, uh exciting or good i'm sorry jack i get distracted by the americana um i'm looking at this thing and jack you know you can get shit like this like anywhere in america like that that like this looks like the new developments in baton rouge like for where i'm from like you're looking from that's the outside that's the outside of the americana that you're seeing but yes this is all it's all very fucking it's just really corny and like overly clean and very disneyland and it's just like a little sort of mini dubai in the middle of uh in the middle of glendale where they have all the famous chains like shake shack and shit you know all come <laughs> together and there's an in and out all this kind of stuff oh my god that's so wild like the point was i thought the point was that los angeles was supposed to be special and unique Man. No, it, That's he a, he built these weird sort of. They also have like fake backstories. These places, like what? they're like they're like they're like pretend they lore. Yeah, they have lore. Yeah, it's worth looking into if you want to learn about the Grove and the Americana. Uh, very weird places and Caruso, very weird man. I will say, you know, both the Grove and the Americana have trolleys. Um, you know, and if he had run on. In putting a trolley system throughout LA, I think he could have got my vote, but he never did that. <laughs> you know, sadly, if he would just expand the trolley systems of the Americana and the Grove to actually connect to each other and then spread it out to the rest of the city, you know, that that could have won me over. But he's not 
been talking about the trolleys uh, at all. The thing about Rick Caruso that I just, I'm like, why the fuck do you want to be mayor? Like, you're this rich developer guy. Like, why do you want it? Like, Karen Bass, I kind of get it. She's like a boring Democrat who likes to legislate and does all the boring Democrat shit. I understand why it's a nice next career step for, for her. But Rick Caruso, I, I just don't know why you'd want to give yourself that pain in the ass unless you just love power. That was Struggle Session. Have a good one. Peace. Later.